the old International Harvester truck with its faded metallic blue paint ground its way slowly up what was nothing more than an overgrown cow path. Papa Oscar wrestled with the three on the tree as he downshifted. They both rocked back and forth as the truck lurched into first gear. The path, now nothing but a faint trace between saplings, twisted down into a gully and then, a few feet later, swung around a hairpin turn. Oscar gunned the engine. The truck began to sputter as it inched its way up a steep incline. Tree branches swatted at both sides of the cab as they rose slowly up the side of Sugarloaf Mountain. The Indian summer morning, cool when they had started out, was quickly heating up. Jimmy felt himself fighting the urge to nod off to sleep in spite of the constant motion. A covey of quails, flushed from their roost, sprung up alongside, which startled Jimmy back to attention and animated the two blue ticks, both of whom began jumping excitedly around the cab of the truck. Papa Oscar took his attention off driving for a second, turned to Jimmy with a grin, and, in his hillbilly twang, said, You've been raised in the city, Jimmy. Pausing for a moment while he wrestled with the steering wheel, Oscar then continued, That's okay. There's a lot for you to learn out here this away. That's why I brung you with me, so you can learn a thing or two. Jimmy nodded in understanding. Since the summer, he had been spending more and more time in the care and protection of his grandparents on their farmstead, tucked away in the hills of northern Kentucky. First, it was a weekend, then a week. Finally, he'd spent the entire month of August at his grandparents, while his parents were, as his mamaw said, squaring some things among themselves. At first, Jimmy had liked the distractions, but he quickly grew homesick. Even though it was long distance, Papa Oscar had agreed to allow him to call his parents. That night, his grandpa dialed the phone and handed it to Jimmy. The phone just rang and rang. After 20 rings, Jimmy hung up and ran to his room. He tried not to cry, but he did anyway. That next morning, Papa Oscar began to take more interest in his grandson. It was the little things at first like dragging Jimmy along with him to help feed the chickens and poking around for eggs. Soon, Jimmy was helping with the milking, but that was mostly just keeping Papa Oscar company. After that, Oscar allowed Jimmy to sit on his lap and steer the tractor for him as they drove around the farm. He was a city boy, but he was learning fast under his grandfather's tutelage. Papa Oscar pulled the truck into a patch of overgrown horseweed, parking the truck on the only level spot there had been for the 30-minute drive up, down, and around the slopes of Sugarloaf. Oscar quickly, silently went to work. Jimmy hadn't noticed, but behind the horseweed and behind the neighboring brambles, through the thicket of wild cherry saplings, and right up against a steep hill was a small wooden door. Oscar crushed the weeds down and used a crowbar to knock a tangle of vines away from the door. He then pried it open, Stepping back, he retrieved a six-foot-long pole and a flashlight from the bed of the truck. The flashlight caught Jimmy's attention. It looked old, very old, and it consisted of a large ever-ready six-volt battery with a black cat on it. Under the cat was what looked to Jimmy to be a bolt of electricity. 
to the top, there was a flashlight contraption attached. Oscar flipped on the light and shined the powerful beam back into the hole between the rocky outcroppings on the side of the hill. Copperheads, Oscar announced. Them snakes wiggle their way back in here. Kind of early in the fall for them, though. Oscar flung the wooden door away from the side of the cliff. Then he began poking around in the dark hole with the stick. Jimmy wanted to watch, but was afraid of snakes. Oscar, sensing Jimmy's fear, stopped, turned around, and gingerly leaned the stick against the truck's fender and placed the ancient flashlight on the hood of the International Harvester. Come here, boy, he said. Jimmy approached, and in one deft move, Papa Oscar lifted him up and onto the sturdy hood of the truck. Sit up here and watch for a spell. Ain't no snakes can get you up here. In all my years, I ain't never seen a snake that could jump that high. The two had gotten to know each other over the summer. Slowly, Jimmy had begun to dress like his papa. He had on his little overalls, and he had taken to chewing on a long piece of grass, just like Papa Oscar. He remembered how his mother refused at first to buy the overalls. Waste of money, she muttered, but Jimmy insisted. His dad had quietly chimed in. He's never asked for any clothes before. That was high summer, some two months back. That was the last time when all three of them were together, him, his mother, and his father, in that tiny general store in Maysville. Jimmy sat on the hood of the truck and watched while Oscar retrieved his stick and light and again began poking back in the hole. Finally, assured that no snakes were waiting in ambush, Oscar began removing items from that hole in the mountain. First, Oscar came out with an enormous copper pot, which he carried over to the side of a small stream running alongside the road. Then, Oscar pulled out an old rusted metal grate, and finally, a large oblong-shaped dented metal container of some sort, with a couple of pipes sticking out of it. Then, from what appeared to be an old canvas bag patched repeatedly over the ages, Oscar began removing various parts and items, which he carefully laid out on a flat gravel bar that ran along the edge of that trickle of water. He retrieved a newer green canvas tool bag emblazoned with U.S. Army across it. Oscar stomped down some of the underbrush and then began ratcheting together four rusted metal bars onto the grate, making what appeared to be a low table. Jimmy became antsy sitting on the hood of the truck. Noticing, Papa Oscar called out, Oh yeah, sure, you can come down now. Jimmy slid off the hood of the truck and landed with a thump among the bushes. What you doing? Jimmy asked. Well, I reckon you're old enough to know. What are you now, twelve? I'm eleven. Is that old enough to keep a secret? Ain't sure I can tell you less than you're ready. Uh, I keep lots of secrets. You do, do you? Why don't you tell your old Papa Oscar a secret you've been keeping? Jimmy thought for a moment, then, with a sheepish smile, said, Well, then, that wouldn't be a secret I've kept anymore. <laughs> you right about that, Oscar mumbled, not looking up from the pile of copper tubing he was working with. Oscar was happy. Jimmy could see it, could hear it in his voice. Papa Oscar continued, Well, this here's a special kind of secret. Can you be trusted with a special kind of secret? 
If anyone outside her family found out, it would be trouble, not to mention what it'd do to her family heritage. Can I trust you then? Yeah, I guess so. But what's a heritage? Jimmy asked. Hmm, Oscar stopped to ponder. It's sort of that special thing that separates us from folks who ain't part of the family. This here's what's left of the famed Prater Steam Still. What's a steam still? Jimmy asked inquisitively. See, right here in the back of the truck is the mash. We Praters learned a long time ago how to make some mighty fine shine. Mighty fine shine. I reckon I was even before there were any Praters in these here parts. The secret is in these here hills, as you'll soon find out. As he pulled back the tarp over the back of the truck, Jimmy could see several buckets, each carefully sealed and packed. Looky here, Oscar said, lifting one of the buckets out of the truck and cracking its lid. Oscar held it out for Jimmy to see. Jimmy leaned forward to look into the bucket, but then jerked his head back uncontrollably as he smelled the overpowering odor of the mash. <laughs> Oscar laughed. You don't ever start drinking any of this. Less than you need to, you hear? Listen to your papa, Oscar. Even though some folks call this here the water of life, too many folks don't know what it's good for and end up abusing this gift from God Almighty. Making this here our way, I guess that's what you could call our family heritage. Oscar stood up and turned toward Jimmy. In a cool but stern tone of voice, Oscar continued, You understand? I ever hear tell you getting into any of our shine or any liquor at all till you're old enough to understand? I'll tan your hide. Let them other fools ruin their lives, not you. You understand? Jimmy had no idea what Oscar was talking about, but wide-eyed, he nodded eagerly in agreement. Oscar snorted and pulled a wad of red man chewing tobacco out of the pouch on the front of his bib. Then he continued to look sternly at Jimmy and continued, And none of this here either. This'll rot your teeth and ruin your life just as fast. No smoking, no chewing, and if I catch you ever doing either, smoking, chewing, or drinking any, God help me, I'll tan your hide so red you wish you never touched the stuff. Jimmy and even the dog sat motionless, frozen by the seriousness in Oscar's tone. Then, after Oscar had taken a couple of labored breaths and a small nod of his head, he continued in his normal, friendly voice. Looky here, he said as he leaned up against the truck, bent down, and pulled his lip away from his cheek. See this here sore? Jimmy could smell the raw odor of rotting flesh, teeth, and bad breath. It crinkled Jimmy's nose. See it? Oscar demanded. Jimmy nodded. He could see a large pink red sore on the inside of Oscar's cheek. Doc G over in Flemingsburg says it's cancer and it's going to kill me. And it's all cause of this here, Oscar said as he held out and shook the pouch of red man chewing tobacco. It's too late for me, and it's too late for Dwayne too. He's too far down that same path I went, chewing and hitting the shine. I done lost him. I ain't going to let that happen to you now. You're a good boy. You're too good a boy. Oscar then paused. Your mom, Pa? Well, we don't have to talk about their problems none. But they done a fine job raising you. And I ain't going to let what happened to Dwayne happen to you. Not if I can help it. Oscar then turned away. Stared absently off into the trees. After a few seconds, his head drooped. Then he continued. 
Your Uncle Dwayne, I wasn't there when I needed to be. I was hitting the shine pretty hard then, and a boy, especially a Prada boy, well, they need their pappy around when they're growing up. And I was still a boy myself in so many ways. If you ain't there, they get too wild, too bullheaded, and you can't break them later. I was just too down low when I could have helped Dwayne, but not you. I ain't had a drop of shine in here till 15 years now, and I'm fixing to keep my eye on you, long as I can. Keep you straight, take you to church with me and your mamma, teach you the family recipe and all. That is if y'all smart enough to learn. And judging by that daddy of yours, you are. Now your pappy, he's a good man. We ain't got much to jaw about, but I like him. I know your ma and him, well, you know. I expect you can see it too. And well, he's gone back to Columbus and you've been staying down here quite a bit. Your ma, she's been staying down here some too. And, and that's fine, that's just fine. Your daddy's mistake was he married a Prater. Expect he didn't know what he was getting into, so I can't hold that against him. But them Prater women, well, they're kind of like them Prater boys. All of us Praters got a stubborn streak that's mighty hard to live with. But your mama, she's a good woman, and she loves you to death. I know she does. And she never taken to the shine. Oscar stopped and spat out a slug of tobacco juice, took his cap off, and rubbed the sweat from his brow. Then he continued. Marrying your daddy, probably the best thing that ever happened to that girl. But she's still a Prater. She can't make it easy. Nah, us Praters always seeming to take the hard way to do everything. I used to think about it on them cold nights out hunting coons. Why is it we all so stubborn? I still don't know. But it's probably why so many of us never, ever mounted nothing more than a hill of beans. Oscar then went back to his work, assembling what Jimmy didn't know. Then after a few minutes, Oscar realized what the boy might have been thinking. Corson, your mama. She got away from all this here, and she'd been living in Cincinnati, working for that insurance company for a few years before she met your daddy. Spec, she's about the only one of us who ever did get away from here. Your mama, she's now coming back more and more. That's fine. That's just fine. Jimmy nodded, listening and taking in all that was going on. He knew his parents had been fighting. He remembered waking in the middle of the night to the sounds of shouting and tense voices. Words like never and always cutting through the walls like sharp two-edged swords. The volume would escalate until it became eerily silent. Then the door would slowly creak open and a thin beam of light from the hallway would silhouette the figure of one of his parents who would peer in to see if Jimmy was still asleep. Jimmy was taking everything in. He wasn't just paying attention to what his papa was saying and doing. He also heard the sound of the wind rustling the leaves, the gurgling of the brook nearby, and saw that particular pattern that sunlight made as it filtered through the over canopy above. Oscar swung the door of the truck open and bent the seat forward. The squeak of the seat hinge brought the two blue ticks barreling out of the bushes and back to the truck. Their tails wagged wildly. Get out of here, you two. Nothing for y'all back here. Just get my tools. Undeterred, the dogs continued to jump around excitedly. As Jimmy watched, he saw how the dogs were a distraction, but at the same time welcomed by Papa Oscar. 
He seemed to always find a spare hand to pet one or the other. Oscar retrieved a box of tools from the back of the truck and set it down on the banks of the rivulet, seeping its way up between cracks in the bedrock. Then, sitting down in the underbrush, he began sorting through the box looking for a particular tool. Both dogs, convinced that something tasty was hidden in the box, nuzzled up against Oscar and sniffed around expectantly. Shit fire, you old dogs. I fed you breakfast less than an hour ago, and we're sure as hell not about to go hunting. So there's nothing here in this bag except my tools. Now, now scat. The dogs, suddenly understanding that it was time for work, both moped away. Jimmy, sensing their dejection, knelt down and grabbed Molly by the scruff of the neck. Ted, who couldn't be outdone, muscled his way between Molly and Jimmy, looking for attention, until the three of them were rolling around on the ground, wrestling with each other. Oscar found his wrench, and the sound of metal clanking against metal began echoing across the warm morning air. See here, Jimmy? We cook up the mash down home in the smokehouse. Anyone looking in on me in there, and it keeps mash warm while she percolates. But to ring out the shine, gotta have water. Lots and lots of water. Water to make steam for the boiler, water to cool them there copper pipes, so... First here, we fill up this here boiler. Then we use that water to run over these here pipes. See this here creek? It flows most of the year. Back in them olden days, them revenueers would scout out all the bigger creeks looking for stills to bust up. Water and smoke from your fire, that's what those revenueers would be looking for. That and that god-awful smell. But I spec we don't have to worry about them much anymore. That there's another one of them Prater secrets. Never had a steel bust up, causing we never set it up for more than a couple of days. And a steam steel not only gives you a better shine, it's a hell of a lot faster than those regular old steels the mother fellers tend to build. And always, right here, right here in this hollow, right here where this water runs only for a piece till it disappears again under them rocks down the hill and back into the mountain. And then when we's all done, old mama nature, she covers her all back up to the point where you'd have to about break your leg to find her. And all you'd find was a washout from this here creek, but only for a short piece. Jimmy had never heard Oscar talk so much in his life. Curious, Jimmy asked, Papa, can I help? Well, sure. That's why I brung you out here, to learn. Get on over here. Jimmy stood expectantly next to his grandfather as Oscar handed him a worn, dirty brown canvas bag. I'm guilty to contributing to the delinquency of a miner, but... Hellfire, I expect you have enough of that Prater blood running through you. Here, you dig out these here nuts and bolts, Jimmy. The two worked without talking. Jimmy felt a certain acceptance as he instinctively knew which parts his Papa Oscar would be needing next. See these here? This here's locust wood. Hard as hell, and it don't rot. I believe these here sticks are at least 100 years old. They don't get wet back in that there hole your great-granddaddy dug. We've been coming to this here spot for years. I reckon you're now the fourth-generation Prater to help with this here operation. Oscar stopped, brushed a pesky fly away from his eyes, and then continued. It don't matter none that your name ain't Prater, boy. Your mom's a Prater, and even though she married your poppy, that makes you a Prater through and through in these here parts. Why? Back in the 20s, this was quite the enterprise. 
turning out shine by the wagon load. That was prohibition. Good money in it back in them days. That was for your mammal decided it wasn't a proper business, and we found the Lord and all. The past 30 years or so, I just sneak back here a time or two each fall and cook up a batch of the old recipe. Used to be just some for friends, though. We still sell a few jars, but not like we used to. Ain't sold much since the 60s. But folks still remember, a season never goes by with some old-timer asking me for a quart or two. Oscar continued his nonstop jabber as he slowly assembled the steam still. The old man, that was your great-grandfather, my papaw. He made shine past hundred folks reckon. He's the one who found this here place, and he's the one who dug out that there bear hole. This here copper pot, your grandpa bought it from some fella out at Mount Sterling. Drove clear down there to pick her up. It was the first time he ever left the county. That was to go pick this here thing up. Land sakes, that'd be going back years and years ago. We'll have to wash her out first. I don't want to spoil the shine. Of course, and back then, we hold everything back here by wagons pulled by horses. Want a chance of breaking any machine out way out here in some hollow. A machine. Jim smiled upon hearing the phrase. The old-time praetors, the ones who lived here and there, up and down the countless canyons, hollows they called them, they all referred to cars and trucks as machines. Yeah, machines. They used to always be breaking down here or there. And you'd have to wait till you could get a part, and then you'd have to haul that part and your tools out here and try to fix her, which you couldn't always do. It got so bad there used to be machines just abandoned back in here. In some of these hollows, you can still find them if you look around. Eh, this land ain't very good for farming. Too hilly and rocky and no good for crops, but we could cord up plenty of sticks to keep that fire burning. That's how I started, picking up sticks off this here mountain. But you had to be careful back then. You build a fire too big and put out too much smoke, those revenues would be watching for you. But not these days. I ain't heard tell of a revenue or back this away for going on quite a few years now. Jim was fascinated listening to Papa Oscar talk. Since he wasn't from round these parts, he found himself having to concentrate, listening particularly carefully so he could understand the odd phrases and unusual pronunciations that his grandfather used. He was just over there, Oscar said as he pointed off into the distance. Over this here hill and through that hollow, over toward Sugarloaf. My daddy, your great-grandpappy, he shot a bear. Most folks say that was the last bear shot in these parts. Heard tell some even claimed it was the last bear shot in all of Kentucky. That was back in 32, I believe. And you know what he got for it? He got a visit from the game warden. He used to laugh and laugh when he'd tell that story. My daddy, he could never understand how hunting anything on your own land could be illegal. I tell you, he was a he was a good hunter and a good shiner too. I miss him. He was kicked in the head when he was trying to shoe an ornery old mare. I hated that horse. She was strong, but you had to watch yourself around her. She'd just as soon take a nip out of you as to kick you with one of those hooves of hers. He said he wasn't about to let that old mare get the best of him, but she did. She was the death of him, yes, sir. For that, some fellers over yonder, on the other side of Sugarloaf, they had their still blow up on them. Made such a racket, if 
folks thought that Sugarloaf was a volcano and she was about to blow. Can you believe that? I was just a boy younger than you then, but I remember that. Heard tell that it was even reported in the newspapers as far away as New York City. Ah, the only thing that happened was it drew revenues like shit draws flies. They was a swarming all over Sugarloaf after that. A lot of busted up stills in them days. Jimmy jumped up again to help when he saw Oscar begin to pull the coils of an old hose modded and cracked over the years from the bear hole. Papa Oscar? Jimmy asked. What's that for? You'll see. You'll see. We got better and better at this over the years. Used to be the hardest part of keeping the fire burning. Searching around for a lot of squall wood to burn. Ah, another advantage of steam still. You can't burn your mash and you don't need to tend your fire as much. But it's more work to set up and more complicated. Took a lot of sticks though. A lot. Yeah, back in the days us boys would be busy all day long poking around for sticks to burn. Of course then back then we came down here every few weeks and burned up all the wood. These days only once or twice a year is all and we don't burn wood anymore. No wood? Jimmy asked, keeping close attention to Oscar's story. Nah, you're all that's around to help me. And 25 years or so ago, I settled on using gas. Tank of propane. Easy, no smoke to give you away. A nice clean fire comes out of that tank and boils up that mash might quick too. As they worked unloading more parts from the side of the mountain, Oscar suddenly stopped and paused. Mind yourself, Jimmy, you ain't got any gloves on, and this here bear hole is filled with spiders. Don't let any get on you or you'll break out in a blister the size of a nickel. Then suddenly, Oscar stopped and looked at Jimmy. He pulled off his gloves, reached into his pocket, and pulled out a faded red handkerchief. He used it to wipe the sweat off his brow. Then he placed his hand firmly on Jimmy's shoulder. I can see a lot of my daddy in you. Of course, I never saw him when he was a youngin' like you, but you have his eyes. You have those deep blue eyes. Then, stumbling on his words, Oscar continued, Looky here. This here's a secret. You understand, Jim? You can't tell anybody about this, not even your mom or your pappy. Land sakes, he'd not be too pleased with me if he'd ever know that I took you out here to help me do some shining. And Mamma, not a word to her specially. Remember, we spent the day just gathering up a mess of pawpaws. Pulling down his hat and putting his gloves back on, Oscar stopped to consider what they were doing. Then he continued, Mamma, why, she'd skin me alive if she ever heard how I brought you out here to help me cook up a batch of shine. But if I don't teach you, and if you don't learn this here Prater recipe, I reckon it'll die with me. Of course, in your Mamma, she's mighty fine thinking that this here family recipe is a dying, but... I am not. That's why I'm a passing it on to you. You can have the responsibility of keeping her alive or letting her die. Uncle Oscar, Jimmy asked, what is shine? Oscar let out a deep, rich belly laugh, low enough to pull both the blue ticks back out from under the shade of the truck to see what was going on. Water alive, Jimmy. White lightning. Mountain dew. Moonshine. Well, this Prater's been known to cook up since as far back as anyone can reckon, since we all came to these here parts. You know what a still is? Like, sit still? Jimmy answered nervously. Nah, boy, land sakes. A still's what you use to make white lightning, to make shine, moonshine. This here's what we're building, a still. 
Not some common still, though. This here's the Praetor still. That there's the steam pot, and over there, that's the mash pot. And here in these copper pipes, that's where the shine sweats out of that pot. In this here copper pipe, it has to stay cool. That's why you need all this water. It keeps the shine dripping out at the end. And that's what we all used to cook up and sell. Oscar continued explaining the intricacies of making moonshine, when Jimmy nodded and tried to pay attention. Why, we'd bottle shine by the wagon load. Heard tell it was sold far away as Lexington and Cincinnati. Hard days back then. Folks couldn't afford to feed their youngins. Heard tell of a number of those fellers just run off and disappeared, but most of those who took to the shine, well, they took to it just to ease their spirits. Most stuck around. That was until their women folk beat the tar out of them. Well, times were hard. So hard. So many just couldn't take it no more. No money, no work to be had. But us praters, that's when your great-grandpappy, he bought up all the land around here. And all cause of this prater recipe. Quite a shiner, my daddy was. He didn't like neighbors close by. Bought up all these hills just to keep them away. Ah, I grew up in them times and I thought they were the happiest days ever. But I was a young and I didn't I didn't know any better. In a slow and serious tone of voice, Papa Oscar continued. Corson, I ain't showed you the real secret yet, except that this here's where our stills hidden. This ain't just any common moonshine. This here's Praetor's White Lightning. Best taste of moonshine ever made in these parts. We don't sell it like we used to. But some of those old-timers still have a taste for the Praetor shine. And we make a few dollars off her here and there. But we only share it with folks that we've known for years and years. Them younger boys, so many of them have taken to drinking beer these days, and I can see how. Everyone's got electricity and refrigerators nowadays, keeps that beer colder. That weren't always so. And some of them old men, well, they still have a hankering for that old Praetor shine. Cut right through you on a cold, moonlit night and keep you warm all night long. And if you're hurting from working too hard or you have some sort of pain inside, nothing better to deaden that and allow you to get along with what you need to get done. Nothing better than a couple of swigs of shine. As Papa Oscar continued talking, he uncoiled the rubber hose and, starting from the still, uncoiled it around the hill and over to the creek. After that, he attached a metal funnel to the end of the hose and then wedged it into the bottom of the stream. A few seconds later, clear spring water from the stream was flowing to the still. Yeah, it's pretty easy to make your shine. Well, expect anyone can cook up a batch if they put their mind to it. But the real trick, the real secret is right here. And it ain't this here steam still your great-grandpappy built. But it's all around you. You ain't seen it yet. <laughs> You'll find out soon enough. Oscar continued setting up the still. As he did, he kept talking. Folks tried to copy that taste for years, never did it, and they can't. But one day, if you take to making shine, and you keep being right by your Papa Oscar, well, then if you ever get into a tight corner, you can brew up a few jars. When word gets around, you won't have them for long, that's for sure. You see, folks, even in that depression, they was more than willing to part with what little they had for a bottle of Prater Shine. When I was a young'un, speck about your age, I used to feel sorry for some of them. Didn't have enough to rub a pair of wooden nickels together, but they'd somehow scrape enough together for a mason jar full of shine. Asked my daddy once why he'd take their money. Wasn't like him. 
or any of the good old folks living down in these here hollows, taking money from those who can't afford it. But he told me that they'd done chosen. Them old boys they'd chosen long ago to hit to shine. It wasn't like they was going to spend that money on feeding their kin. And if they didn't get it from us, well, they'd wander over to the next hollow and buy it from the next shiner down there. Corson, that was way back before these folks had machines. No one was a-busting each other up after drinking a bottle of shine and getting in one of those machines. I remember one time over by Wagner's Riffle, where there was a shiner had a trunk full of jars. I heard tell how he'd been tasting his product would drive it into West Union. Took a curve a little too fast, and that old machine hit the corner of a bridge right outside of town. Wasn't going very fast, but that there machine burst into flames. Folks saw it, heard it, and all they could do was watch that young and Robbie burn up inside his machine. Folks told how they watched him jumping and kicking on the door trying to get open, but those flames just got hotter and hotter. Heard tell you could hear him screaming a mile away, but he couldn't get out. And all them people who heard that wreck, all they could do was stand there and watch. That's a sight I never want to see. All right, Jimmy. Time to put you to work. So, you see these here little trees? These here are pawpaws. You need to take these here runs with you and go start plucking these pawpaws off these here scrubs. Just wander around a bit and you'll find all we need. Look up under here, see? Jimmy looked up and could see the pawpaw fruit hanging from the bushes nearby. Just get the ones you can pull off the trees easily. Fill up this here poke. Don't take any off the ground. This here's the secret. It's inside these here pawpaws. You think you can do that for your papaw, Jimmy? Jimmy nodded his head enthusiastically, yes, and then set out in the direction his grandfather had pointed. The blue ticks, sensing something exciting was going on, began wagging their tails and jumping about. As Jimmy soon discovered, pawpaws were all about. He just hadn't looked up under the canopy of the foliage to see them. Within several minutes, he had the grocery-sized bag filled with ripe fruit. As he returned, he could smell the rich, fecund odor of the mash being poured into the still. Oscar picked up a steel bowl, an ice cream scoop, and walked over to Jimmy and the hounds. See here, Jimmy. That ain't so hard, was it? Now you take this here scoop, and you scoop out the fruit, and you put it in this here bowl. You also need to pick out all these here seeds. See? Just pile up these here seeds and we'll scatter them about before we leave so we can keep this here grove full of pawpaws. Jimmy sat about peeling and scooping the sweet, sticky fruit into the bowl. Then he stopped to ask, Papa, do I have to wash my hands first? Oscar stopped, bent over, put his hands on his knees as he addressed Jimmy. You're a good boy. I see my daughter raised a real good boy. Let me see your hands. Jimmy held out his hands, already covered with a sticky coating of pawpaw juice. Mm-hmm, Oscar muttered as he studied Jimmy's hands. Ah, you look clean enough for me. This here fruit's going in the still. It'll be bowled up with that mash, and if we do it right, become part of the shine. That's what makes her special, that sweet smell of these here pawpaws. I spec nothing can survive boiling, let alone that alcohol. In fact, I heard tell some folks using shine to clean things. Cut through the grease and clean out your insides, too. In olden days, a lot of mountain folk considered shine more of a medicine than a drink. Oscar watched Jimmy pick all the seeds from the bowl of fruit and then took the bowl, tipped his other hand to his hat and said, Much obliged, Jimmy. Then Jimmy sat back in the shade of the truck, 
leaned up against one of the wheels and watched his grandfather take the pawpaw fruit and pour the gooey mess into the still. Oscar then fired up the propane burners. The two dogs, exhausted from several hours of running around, both snuggled up with Jimmy in the shade of the truck. Within minutes, both dogs had shut their eyes and had dozed off. Jimmy, too, soon drifted off to sleep as Oscar kept busy distilling his run of moonshine. It was a few hours later when Jimmy awoke, his grandfather packing away the pieces of the still, carefully putting the components away in the hole in the mountain, just like Praters had been doing for decades. Hello, sunshine, Oscar said with a grin. Jimmy noticed he was alone. The hounds had run off some time before. We done? Jimmy asked. Just about, Oscar answered. Jimmy got to his feet and looked around. Four crates of mason jars sat on the ground next to the truck. Oscar pulled one of the jars from the crate, opened it, and presented it to Jimmy. Just smell her. Jimmy leaned forward and smelled the fresh, hard alcohol. There was also a slight, unmistakable, floral fragrance as well. Hmm, Jimmy responded. People drink this stuff? Absolutely, Oscar responded, replacing the lid back on the freshly brewed hooch. It was late afternoon as they made their way down the foothills on the slope of Sugarloaf in the ancient International Harvester machine. In spite of his long nap, Jimmy was tired, as were the hounds, who were both content to steady themselves on the seat between Jimmy and Oscar. They turned left onto a paved road at the end of the path which they had just traversed and slowly headed off to the little hamlet of Foxport. Remember now, you can't tell Mamaw or your Ma about what we did today, okay, Jimmy? Jimmy nodded his head in agreement. He sat there and considered the secret that his grandfather had entrusted him with. He felt proud to be trusted. When they pulled off onto the lane back to the homestead, Oscar pulled over short of the smokehouse. The dogs, recognizing their territory, bounded out of the truck and up the lane. Jimmy watched through the crack in the door of the smokehouse as Oscar pulled a couple of floorboards up and carefully stashed four crates of moonshine underneath. In a matter of minutes, the shine was stored away and the smokehouse looked exactly as it did before. Later that week, Jimmy and his mother left the friendly confines of the Prater farmstead and returned home, back north, across the Ohio, up and out of the hills, and onto the flat plains of the Midwest. Jimmy watched the countryside go by with a new reverence for the fields of corn being harvested, thinking back to that smell of the mash and the sweet smell of the moonshine he had helped his grandfather sweat out of it. In a couple of hours, he was back at his home, with his mom and his dad, all eating together around a linoleum dining room table. The shouting between his parents had stopped. With everything calm again, Jimmy settled into a normal routine of days at school and late afternoons listening to the baseball playoffs on the radio with his mom while they waited for his father to return from work. After the World Series was over and shortly after his mother's disappointment with the Cincinnati Reds had faded away, she came into his room and told Jimmy that they needed to get up early to go see Papa Oscar. There was a coldness, a seriousness in his mom's tone of voice as she told him that Papa Oscar was in the hospital. The three of them, Jimmy, his mom, and his dad, sat in silence as they traversed the two-lane highways south down to the banks of the Ohio River. Then after crossing at Maysville, 
the roads became smaller and the land more hilly. Along the way, Jimmy listened to his parents talk about how Dr. G had insisted Papaw Prater go to the hospital in Cincinnati because his cancer had mesticized. Jimmy didn't know what mesticized meant, and he was too afraid to ask. They reached the Prater farmstead and met up with a whole host of relations, most of whom Jimmy didn't recognize, even though he'd spent the majority of the summer at the farm. After being introduced to one relative after another, Jimmy slipped out the back door and looked for the two blue ticks. Molly and Ted ran up to him with tails a wagon, recognizing an old friend. But Jimmy could tell that the hounds knew they sensed something was wrong. After a lunch of ham hocks, a pot of green beans, and cornbread, the relatives split up into different cars, and a whole caravan of praters began the long drive to Cincinnati. It would take over an hour. They planned to stay at the hospital until visiting hours ended at 8 p.m. Jimmy's mom made sure he brought his book bag and schoolwork along with him. In the hospital, Oscar just laid there, semi-comatose. Small groups of relatives approached the bed while the rest of the clan remained outside the room, giving everybody some space and privacy. Finally, Jimmy went into the room with his parents. Then, Papa Oscar sat up slightly and took notice of Jimmy. His mom held her father's hand and they talked about the basics, how Oscar was feeling, and if he was getting enough to eat. Jimmy noticed how pale his grandfather had become. Jimmy's dad stood there silently, trying to project an image of stability in this dire situation. Oscar then asked if he could talk with Jimmy for a few minutes by himself. Politely, Jimmy's parents left the room. Jimmy approached the bed and began to sob. Oscar reached out his hand and touched Jimmy's. Land sakes, Oscar began. I ain't about to die yet. Oh, I'll meet my maker soon enough. But that's still a piece off, so you can stop your sobbing, Jimmy. Oscar coughed and then continued. Dr. G made me come here so I could get some medicine for the pain. That damn medicine don't work so well. It still hurts something powerful, Jimmy. So, did you get a chance to see the dogs? Yes, Papa. I saw the dogs, and they miss you. Yeah, supposing they do. Don't think there's been a day in their lives they ain't been with me till now. You do me a favor, Jimmy. Make sure that they get fed and cared for till I get back. You're coming back? I plan to. This damn hospital ain't where I aim to die, Jimmy. I should have never agreed to come here. Looky here. Do you think you can do me a favor? Sure, Papa. Anything. Remember that shine we cooked up? Yes. Remember where it's hid? Yes. I'd be much obliged if you could slip a jar of that there moonshine in your pack and sneak it into this here hospital when you come back to see me again. Are you sure that would be okay? Hell no, it won't be okay. None of them doctors want me sipping any shine, but I know it'll cure what's ailing me now. If you can, Jimmy, slip me a quart. I need it, Jimmy. I, I'm a hurting. Then, Jimmy's mother poked her head into the door and said it was almost time to leave. Papa Oscar piped up and asked, Can you all come back to visit me tomorrow? Jimmy's mother answered, Yes, Pa. We're all coming back to visit you again tomorrow. You get some rest now. Oscar turned his head toward Jimmy. Jimmy nodded solemnly. Oscar sighed a sigh of relief and smiled.